Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about Queensland dominance. My name is Bo Nicholson. Shout out to all the Blues fans who are no doubt hurting and all the Queensland fans who are ecstatic and one particular Queensland fan, Owen. On this episode, I'm joined by regular panelists, Kieran Gibson and Miles Stedman, who I'm sure experienced different levels of pleasure watching State of Origin 3 as we discuss that match, any potential fallout, name the above the horizontal players of the series, and also name our combined merit team from the Origin series to see if we can do a better job than the Australian selectors. But before we do that, let's jump into our bold predictions for game number three, which Queensland of course won 20 points to 14. My prediction was that Brenko Lee and Edric Lee will combine for two tries, whichever way you slice it. Uh, that did not happen. There was one try scored by either of those guys, and that was by Edric Lee on the back of some excellence from Cameron Munster. So I was half right, which is, of course, not right. Miles, uh, I, well, he, he did kind of walk off, I suppose, uh, but you, you had that... Uh, James Tedesco would uh, score a try uh, right at the buzzer, a walk-off try, as it were, to win the game. Now, of course, unfortunately, Tedesco uh, had a different destiny. Yeah, he did. And no, it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I, I am so glad, by the way, that we waited about a week to record this because last Wednesday night, I, I feel like I feel like we would have got a very, very different podcast out of you. I'm very curious to see how the rest of the episode goes. Kieran, uh, you said that Harry Grant will have one try assist and that Munster will either score or assist the game-winning try. Um, I can't recall if Harry Grant got a try assist. No, he didn't. He almost did when um, Holmes kicked the ball forward, but he kicked it a bit too far. Um, but it, oh no, I didn't say that that would have been the the game winning try assist. Anyway, yeah, he he didn't, and Munster didn't get the game winning try or try assist. I, I don't actually know that Munster got a try assist. Um, if you can, I mean, obviously he set up, um, did everything for Edric Lee's try, but I don't know that maybe maybe Brenko gets it after that touch where he was trying to actually catch the ball and score himself. Surely it goes to Munster. And that's something that I actually forgot about. That was that little uh, Grant line break to kick to Holmes, uh, who Mm. essentially bombed that try. That was probably the most difficult of the three that he bombed. Um, Let's talk about uh, game number three. This was a game... So, game one, they head down to Adelaide. Queensland went 18-14 to against all odds. Uh, You know, we had, like... We had just considered them among the worst teams that Queensland had ever put together. They surprised everybody. Um, And then game two, it seems like there was, you know, more balance in the universe once New South Wales actually flexed their muscles a little bit and, and won convincingly. So for Queensland to go on and win game three, uh, was Definitely surprising for me. I'm sure, Miles, you were a little bit surprised. Kieran, you actually predicted Queensland to win, didn't you? Uh, were you feeling pretty confident about that about that uh, prediction pretty early in the game? No. I mean, after we scored the first try, yes. And then the way that we let in that Tedesco try, I just thought, ah, oh, shit, you really can't can't be doing that in a decider. Um, and I thought that uh, I thought that that would be very costly towards the end of the game because I always thought it was going to be close. Um, so I wouldn't say I was feeling very confident, but um, I always thought that the intent and purpose with which our forwards um, really 
uh, got going forward. Um, I always thought that that would be a, a huge thing in deciding who won the series. And it was the same last year in Game 3 where our forwards really, with their intensity, got on top. And that was the same thing that happened in the in the decider again uh, last Wednesday. And I thought if, if we did that, that, that was what made me confident. I thought that our forwards could dominate their forward pack. Um, and that's what seemed to happen. Although I thought Papali and Welch weren't weren't at their absolute best, but uh, Collins and Arrow were brilliant off the bench. And um, yeah, I think that that's kind of what led to our win. Now we've just heard Kieran compliment Jai Arrow. Miles is Arrow <laughs> is Arrow a dirty word at the moment to our south of the border? He is a, a dirty word, which is uh, disappointing for him because he arrives here sooner or later to begin pre-season with the Rabbitohs uh, training camp or whatever it is. So he's going to have to, um, he might have to grow that mullet back just to kind of d- disguise himself from how he appeared in State of Origin just to, to cross the border, I think. <laughs> He'd also fit in really nicely at Redfern uh, with, that, with that mullet. So uh, look, uh, Kieran stated that Queensland won the game in the middle. Uh, is that the way you see it as well, Miles, do you think New South Wales just couldn't get enough out of their engine room? 100%. And I would extend that to every time the series was played down the middle in any game, Queensland had the clear advantage. That's in game one, game two, game three. Queensland's forward pack was just far better. And uh, I will get to this a little bit later, uh, so I don't want to kind of spoil too much of what I've got to say, but Queensland just picked a better forward pack for for State of Origin and I think Brad Fittler tried to read the tea leaves and sort of uh, uh, divine which which direction State of Origin might go in in terms of how the game is played but he was 100% wrong and as a result Queensland had a massive advantage and he kind of refused to change that throughout the series and we had that sort of red herring winning game too which just solidified the fact that uh, he, he was really on a hiding to nothing despite the that win. Yeah, 100%. Uh, look, I, I'm as a Queensland fan, I have to admit that uh, I'm pretty happy with that result. And there was a little uh, side chat with, with Kieran that was <laughs> quite enjoying the, uh, the, the New South Wales implosion that was happening in our group chat. Um, do you feel that there is a little bit of a sentiment down south of the border miles that... Uh, that there's a lot of different opinions down there. There's people that are, say, backing in Nathan Cleary 100%, uh, saying that he is the way of the future. <laughs> give, give him five years. Uh, there's also a number of people that are like yourself. You've gone on record saying that you just don't think he's up to it, particularly not at this time. Um, do you feel like there's a real divide at the moment? Um, kind of like a drowning in the infinite down in New South Wales. See, like, Queensland don't have that many options, so we just hit and stick. Uh, but in New South Wales, you've got so many options and sometimes it can pull you guys apart. Do you feel there's a bit of a divide there at the moment in the fan base? No, uh, I think there's Panthers fans and then there's the rest of the states. And, oh, and, and don't forget um, uh, Brad Fittler's friends and, and Ivan Cleary's friends, who these media types that uh, are buddies with these uh, high, uh, high ups in, in the New South Wales Rugby League that uh, would never go on record um, dismissing Nathan Cleary's contributions, but he was terrible. And I think that uh, uh, I'm, I'm happy to say I, I don't hate Panther, the Panthers, but they certainly have one of the m- more biased fan bases out there. And uh, they really weren't able to see just how poor Nathan Cleary was in that series. And uh, I think for the most part, the the rest of the 
the state sees Cleary's time as either being, um, you know, minutes to midnight or or completely up, and, and, and Panthers fans just don't want to see that. I'm very curious about the way forward here for New South Wales, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later on in, in, in a segment where, where Miles, you'll probably have a bit of a roadmap for how New South Wales can wrestle back the shield next year. But the way I see it, I think Nathan Clear is a damn fine player. I think he's excellent, and for his age, he's really, really very, very good. Um, but the certain type of player that he is and wants to be is the guy that excelled in Game 2 kick early, complete well, make your tackles. Um, and when when the when you're behind in a game or, or when when the pressure is on and the other team is is rushing your kicks or rushing your passes or forcing you to play inside when you wanted to throw long to the outside, you need to you need somebody that's able to to pull apart a defensive line with different tactics, not the same thing over and over again uh, despite results. And I just don't think Nathan Cleary is that kind of footballer for New South Wales. So it'll be very interesting to see if they pick and stick with him, uh, uh, which might depend on if they pick and stick with Fiddler. Uh, Kieran, on the on the Nathan Cleary uh, argument, because I'm very curious about this, do, do you see him as a major problem for New South Wales? I know that you've gone on record defending him against us and our vitriol in the past. <laughs> I think, like you said, I have to echo exactly what you said. He Origin is about owning the pressure moments, and he's kind of more about owning those key stats about getting through his tackles and early kicks and just kind of doing the small things that you do have to do. But Origin, like I said, is, is about those pressure moments that Jonathan Thurston dominated for a decade in Origin. Um, he was the, the perfect example of exactly what you want, and uh, that's exactly what you need. And I think back to when Lockyer was being talked about being dropped in that 2006 series and being told that he'd never play again, and I, I couldn't believe that I was hearing that, but maybe at the time it was fair, and um, if you can drop Lockyer from Origin forever, I think you'd have to look at dropping Cleary forever from Origin as well. Or at the very least, until he has a proven record in big games. I will say this just just off off uh, off hand before we get into our wildcard awards, gents. Uh, there's a couple of videos on the NRL YouTube channel. It's NRL hyphen National Rugby League, and uh, there's a few of them. There's like. Uh, Billy Slater and Darren Lockyer compilation of their best moments in Origin. There's uh, Matt Cooper and Mark Gaznia. There's the Morai uh, twins. There's also there's a compilation. It goes for about nine minutes of Greg Inglis and Darius Boyd at Origin level, and it's it's a fantastic watch, particularly if you're a Queensland fan, obviously. But if you're just a fan of athleticism, then watching Greg Inglis through the years is amazing. But what that video actually shows you is how bloody good Jonathan Thurston was. Because they guys, those guys score like 34 tries between them or something crazy like that. And Thurston's responsible for about 25 of them. Um, it's, it's amazing what he could do. And, uh, you know, it's harsh comparison. But clearly, he ain't there yet. Let's jump into our wildcard awards. Uh, go a little bit more lighthearted before we dive into more uh, angst, I'm sure, about New South Wales. Uh, um, I'm going to start off with... Randy Newman's You've Got a Friend in Me award, which of course goes to Jake Friend. Behind the scenes, the members of this podcast have had enthusiastic debate about the virtues of picking Harry Grant as the number nine moving forward, form permitting. Regardless of what side of the fence you fall on with that debate, it was bloody cool to see Jake Friend make his origin debut. 
give the Maroons that experience and stability they needed and to be the player to hurl the ball into the Suncorp Stadium crowd as the siren sounded at the end of Game 3, which may become almost as iconic an image as Jared Haynes standing, arms outstretched, in front of a sea of blue in 2014. I feel this may not be the last we see of Jake Friend in Maroon, particularly with that short turnaround uh, until next year's series. But if it is the last we see of him in Maroon, he did a damn fine job. So he gets the Randy Newman's You've Got a Friend in Me award. Kieran, what's your wildcard award? Uh, this is uh, another dig at Paul Gallen, my good friend. Good friend of the podcast. <laughs> um, I've got the, the keep your port porch lights on because the trophy's not coming home, which goes to a number of incompetent blues in Gallen, Fittler, and New South Wales players. Queensland were the biggest outsiders in an Origin series since I've started watching, although I don't know what the 2006 series odds were, and yet we won against all odds. Bennett has possibly cemented himself as the game's best ever, um, undisputedly, with Bellamy the only other to lay claim in the modern era, and what a job he did. Damn right. I'd probably throw Trent Robinson into that mix as well, but like, Bell, like he's probably like maybe like the next like half tier down. Uh, below those yeah. two. I think you're quite right about that. What about you, Miles? What's your wildcard award for the Origin Series? Well, you're going to have to stay with me on this one a little bit, but I've got the Nat Hentoff Award for no shit. And I'm reliably informed that this man who uh, Wikipedia describes as a historian, a novelist, a music critic, and a columnist. So he's a, he's a little bit of a, a polymath. Um, he, he invented the phrase no shit. And he'd be happy for me to use it against Brad Fittler this week when Freddie admitted that his team probably could have done a few things differently. Well, no <laughs> shit, Fittler. Uh, I, let's start with, uh, quote-unquote, everything. Your, your team did nothing right, this state of origin. Uh, you should be fired by now, and every day that you're not um, demoralizes me more and more that you, you probably will be there by the start of next season because, shit, your name's Brad Fittler. <laughs> So the, the Nat Hentoff Award for no shit goes to pretty much Brad Fittler and everything about the Blues this year. Uh, it was interesting to, to read uh, those comments about how he has defended that bench that he picked without oh, delving right. too much into uh, into uh, the future discussion about their way forward. Um, I trust that you disagree with his makeup of the bench. Well, funnily enough, uh, maybe we'll get to this more later, but I, I think that maybe a few of them should have been starting. Like, they almost didn't seem to get enough time. But look, I, I disagree with the entire theory of the team, so there's very little virtue in discussing it. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Let's discuss something else. I might give uh, give you the first opportunity to talk about three two ones from Game 3, Miles. Uh, so, of, of course, New South Wales... Uh, didn't make a great account of themselves in this game. And Tedesco going off in the first quarter certainly did not help their cause. Um, but if you were to give any Blues player three votes for at least turning the hell up and giving it a red-hot go, who would you give it to? Well, I think that maybe my view of this man might have skewed a little bit given that his biggest mistakes came when the match was at its most important. That's Angus Crichton, who... I think for probably for 60 minutes was New South Wales' best, which says a fair bit, as I said, given those mistakes that he made towards the tail end of the game on, on both ends, really. And 
but he was uh, up until then enormous in on offense and defense and he probably saved his spot in the side after what I thought was a, a pretty ordinary series from him so he, he does get my three votes and I think the man that might have lapped him if the game went for another 10 or 20 minutes was, was Daniel Safidi, who was close behind. And I think in, in my estimation, he was quite clearly the best best blue of the series, which is, it is encouraging because he's a young player and he, he didn't have the greatest series last year. So it's good to see him grow into his, his role like many others haven't. Um, again, like in, in game one, he, he grew and got better as the game went on, which is a shame given pretty much every one of his teammates shrunk with each passing minute mm. um, yeah, and look uh, to be honest if I'm being really honest those are the only two that really deserve a, a shout out for their work I, I don't think there was probably any other good New South Wales players but a, as I sort of alluded to I, I thought that Dale Finucane and, and Azar Yo were when they came on they they were decent and they might have qualified for the distinction of having played a good game if, if they've just played a bit more so um, uh, but they didn't, and uh, uh, well, we we should, certainly wouldn't have missed the contributions of say Tyson Frizzell or, or Jake Trebojevic if those two had have started in their place. So I, I just I, I don't get Brad, I didn't get Brad Fittler's selections at all to begin with, and I, I even further didn't get it when when two of the players that he selected on the bench uh, did a seemed to do a far better job in what limited time they had the, to the starters. So look, uh, that that's my my three two and. Uh, begrudging one, uh, which you can split between two players if you want, but yeah, it's just it's just a mystery to me. All right, I'm, I'm going to give it to Dale Finucane because it doesn't make much difference to the tally. Um, I'll I'll come back to you because there's a bit of a tiebreaker that I'm going to need for you for your New South Wales player of the series. But I'll come back to you in a moment because Kieran, um, I'm going to get three, two, one votes from you from the Queensland side. Um, conversely. A few people to choose from, I would imagine, but maybe there's one standout for the three votes. Yes, uh, it has to go to the the man of the match, who I believe Munster, who cemented himself as the best player in the competition with another perf- phenomenal performance in a game three decider. His three try kick assists that led to Edric Lee's tries. Edric Lee's try was one of the plays of the series, and uh, another huge performance, as I said, on the on the biggest stage in what I at least what I believe is the biggest stage in rugby league. Um, two votes to to Harry Grants, who genuinely could hold Munster's current mantle as best in the game one day, I believe. Came on and really upped the ante further for Queensland. And then I've got one vote for Lindsay Collins, who he had a few uh, really, really good charges mm. going forward. And then there was that tackle on Cody Walker where he knocked the ball free. And mm. I, think, I think we possibly scored our um, penalty goal quickly after that about... Um, in that set maybe and um, yeah I just thought it was a huge play where he didn't really like at club level I don't know that he would have done that but uh, Origin really just the the moment and uh, the passion of playing for Queensland in, in an Origin series um, you could tell that that was kind of coursing through him the whole series and uh, that play was huge and uh, uh, reminiscent of that I um, I have some I have some thoughts about both of those three two ones. I, I agree with you, Miles, that Angus Crichton had a good game. I, I think Daniel Safiti is actually, he's hes very promising, isn't he? And he is growing by the moment. So there's there's something to look forward to there for the Blues. And Del, Del Fanuki and Isaiah Yeo, they, these guys are both good professional players that uh, that might be able to contribute a very Queensland 
kind of display in the sense that Queensland has always been kind of synonymous with the idea of like a workman-like play. You know, like you get, like Sean Fensom never played for New South Wales, but he would have played 15 games for Queensland. Um, you know, your Dallas Johnsons and, and the Ashley Harrisons and Chris Flannery's and those guys. So I, I feel like Finucane and Yeo are probably in that mold as well. Um, and, and that might be the kind of player that New South Wales needs. I'm curious about the fact that we agree that Queensland beat New South Wales through the middle, but you've picked, well, essentially four forwards. Um, do you do you have any insight on, on how you've sort of landed on that decision? Yeah, well, I think the, the what that says, if anything, is that how few of our players showed up is that, you know, two of them showed up last game, they were both forwards, but the rest of the back just got completely destroyed in mm. that. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I wouldn't have voted for Dale Finucane or Isaiah Yo if there was another competent player out there, but there just wasn't. So <laughs> yes. I only gave them a, the shout-out because they were uh, it curiously played well enough in their very limited minutes. So mm. um, I, I think if you, you pick the right forward pack of your New South Wales, you probably you, you probably do win the series. Mm. Uh, and, and for you... Kieran, I, I do agree. Munster probably is that player that probably is one of the best in the world right now. Harry Grant, um, look, it, it, it is early to call it, um, but he had a really, 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 really good game. And uh, and that number nine jersey does look like it will belong to him long term. Uh, even if not next series, it, it may not take long for him to get it. Of course, assuming that he doesn't have second year syndrome, which can strike players. And I tell you what, Lindsay Collins, he got a, he got one vote from you uh, in two of the games. So I guess in two votes overall. And I, I agree with you, man. Like, he is exactly what Dylan Napa should be for Queensland. You know, just like a lunatic. A big, 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 strong lunatic. Uh, and Napa just goes missing. But Collins, um, yeah, I really like the cut of his jib. I'm glad they picked him. Uh, so, player of the series. Uh, so, for Queensland, it's quite a clear-cut thing where... Uh, it landed with six votes to Cameron Munster. Uh, that's in basically two games because he didn't really play game two. Uh, four votes for Tino Fasua Maliawi. And then two votes each to Gagai, DCE, and Lindsay Collins, and Harry Grant. That's nice and neat, isn't it? There's no no one with a leftover one vote after all that. So well done to you, Kieran. I do agree. I think Cameron Munster was the best player in the series, but also the best player for Queensland. Uh, Miles, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I would. Uh, I think that, I, as I sort of alluded to earlier, I, I think that Dane Gagai can almost feel a little bit, maybe a little bit undersold here because I thought he was maybe an eight or better in each game, but Munster was, of course, just so unplayably good that you, you just have to give the, the award to him. You've got, you got no choice. Yeah, agreed. And as for yours, it's a bit more mixed here because you gave uh, a different player three votes each game. Uh, so it was in order. It was Adokar, then Cody Walker, then Angus Crichton. They have three votes each. And Daniel Saifiti also joins them on three votes, having one and a two. Um, and then there are some leftover votes for Gerbo and Tedesco and Finucane and Yeo. So you have a four-way tie for first out of Cody Walker, Josh Adokar, Daniel Saifiti, and Angus Crichton. Who would you like to give the player of the series to? 
look, I came into it thinking that I was going to give it to Daniel Safidi. But I think that from memory, Adokar just missed out on the votes in game two. So I think given that he has a three-point performance in him, I'm going to give it to Adokar. All right, cool. I, I love hearing you give awards to uh, wingers, which I think speaks <laughs> it speaks volumes, obviously, to um, maybe how well he went when nobody else was uh, in his team. Um, and I imagine he'll be a walk-up start for our merit side later on. Um, but yeah, does it, does it feel weird giving it to a winger? It does, especially given, as I said, I thought I was going to come in giving it to Safidi because he got votes in more games. But just having a, a split second think about it, given how, how good he was in game one and, and he was good in game two as well and, and probably just average in, in game three, I think it's I think he is a deserving winner. He was, and keep in mind, in game three, he was actually playing a little bit injured. He was probably still the fastest player on the planet, apparently. Um, but <laughs> but he uh, he was playing a little bit busted. So uh, to credit where it's due, I thought Adokar had a, had a damn fine series. And I expect that he would get one of the two wing spots in our merit side, which we should just jump straight into while we're here. So first of all, let's pick the fullback of the series. And this is probably actually easier than it should be. Um, considering he didn't have the best game one and barely had an impact in game three, well, I mean, a positive impact at least. I mean, his injury caused him to leave the field, but I like James Tedesco. Yeah. Tedesco seems like the standout uh, here. The other options are of course, Corey Allen, who had a, a mixed night. Uh, he had a, an early try assist. Uh, he had another try assist to James Tedesco. And then he uh, could have assisted uh, Valentine Holmes try if Valentine Holmes could catch something around his groin. Um, AJ Brimson, of course, had that really strong showing in game one, so he's also eligible. And Valentine Holmes himself, uh, who had uh, probably a mediocre uh, shot at fullback at game two, um, I imagine it's Tedesco all around here. Miles, you, you reckon Tedesco? Yeah, don't get me wrong. Brimson certainly played the best game at fullback in this series, but Tedesco, I think, had the, the more well-rounded series. And uh, Kieran, you happy to sign off on that? Yeah, yeah. All right, mm-hmm. cool. Let's jump straight into the wingers then. There's a few more options here. So from Queensland, they had Xavier Coates, who played uh, two games on the wing. We've got... Philip Sammy, who played two games on the wing as well. We've got Edric Lee, who played the final game on the wing. Uh, seemed to acquit himself quite nicely. Valentine Holmes, um, probably a more negative night than anything, given that he had four try opportunities and scored one good one. And then New South Wales stuck with the same wing as the whole series. They had Daniel Tupo, who was... Um, probably quite solid um, coming out of trouble and making his meters and stuff like that. And Ado Carr, who... Uh, was probably New South Wales' player of the series. So are we all happy to sign off on... I know that you are, Miles. Uh, Kieran, you're happy to sign off on Addo Carr for one of the spots? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Kieran, who are you thinking for the second wing spot? Um, it's a little bit tough just because Coates didn't really cover himself in glory in game two. Um, although, I, I don't know. Yeah, Tupo was very... I thought Tupo was very solid coming out of trouble and... Um, he did have a few uh, costly drops in, I think, maybe each game, but I would probably still lean towards Tupo. Yeah, that's the way that I was thinking, so I'm going to ask Miles if he wants to talk us out of it. 
Well, I see what you you were thinking there. Almost the same thinking that I had with Safidi versus Adokar. But this time I'm going to go the other way. And uh, no, sorry, this time I'm going to go the same way and and say that I think that Xavier Coates, given no wing, really seemed to play two good games, let alone three. I think Coates played maybe outside of Adokar, the, the best wing performance of, of any player in the series in game one. So he's going to get my vote for the other wing. All right. Seeing as though two of you named Coates um, and, well, two of us have named Tupo. So, like, you know, essentially it's kind of like a like a tiebreaker. Um, should we just give it to the winning state and give it to Coates? What do you think, Kieran? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I guess on the set. Well, yes, actually, because based on one of my center picks, I've given it on the same basis that uh, Miles just gave it to a uh, to Coates. All right, so we'll go Adokar and Coates on the wings, uh, with Tedesco at fullback. Otherwise, we'd have had an all New South Wales back three, which just seems backwards uh, given the <laughs> circumstances. Uh, let's go to the centers where we may be bathed in maroon, given that we had. Uh, one of Miles's favourite players from the series, Dane Gagai, playing all three games for the Maroons in two separate centre positions, by the way, uh, sometimes in the same game, uh, which was quite an effort. Uh, Kurt Capewell, uh, usually a back rower or a utility, really, at the Panthers, has ended up in the centres for Queensland in two games. Uh, the other game was Brenko Lee at right centre. New South Wales stuck true uh, with Jack White and, and Clint Gutherson. Um well, I know that I have Miles' backing on this. Kieran, are you happy for us to pencil Dane Gagai in straight away? Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, right. And he is a little unlucky to... Uh, just back on the, the votes, I, I probably could have given more votes to him, but I just thought uh, Munster and Tino were just too good not to give the votes to. Yeah, absolutely. So let's land on the other centres. So Capewell was surprisingly good. I, I don't think he's a centre, though. I think he's a genuine back rower, but he, he did he certainly did his job, particularly in game one. Jack Whiten uh, does not look like a centre to me at all. Uh, Brinko Lee looks like a centre, but maybe not a state of origin one. And you've got Clint Gutherson, who also is not a centre, um, looked out of place a few times, but also had a couple of try assists given to him but realistically they were just catch and pass situations where you give it to the fastest player on the planet so um fastest uh, man on the planet yeah. fastest man sorry I, I should i should i should change that thank you for picking that up i, I think it comes down to capewell or gutherson uh miles what's your read on this gosh you're kidding capewell easily <laughs> uh, kieran do you uh second that notion yeah, yeah, and like I said, on on the merit of what he did in game one, which is the same reason that I've got Coates or changed to Coates, I think he asked the two Blues centres who didn't really do anything of effect all series. Yeah, and uh, look, if we see any more of Whiten and Gutherson in a blue jersey, I'd be surprised if it was as left or right centre uh, moving forward. Uh, Whiten may have earned his chance at 5'8", and Gutherson may have earned his chance back at 18th man, but he seemed to be doing quite well. Um, okay, let's go back to, let's go through to 5'8". I think this one's a, a bit of a bit of an easy one. Cody Walker had a fantastic game too, uh, and Miles gave him the three votes for that game. Luke Curie I, I was scapegoated after game one. I didn't think he was that bad. He had a, a line break or two, and he looked kind of threatening, particularly with Boyd Cordner out there. Uh, but 
Cameron Munster probably has become the best player on the planet um, with that performance. Uh, so I'm sure we're all happy to sign off on that. So let's just move on forward to number seven. Uh, there's only only two players that qualify. It's Nathan Cleary or Daly Cherry Evans. Daly Cherry Evans, of course, was the player of the match in game one, officially. And Nathan Cleary was the player of the match in game two, officially. Um, but... Oh, like, you know, I know I know who Miles' vote is going to be. Uh, Kieran, do you agree that it's going to be Daily Cherry Evans here? Yes, and probably just because um, as Chris and uh, Miles were going on about in the group chat, um, or Cherry Evans doesn't have those game-losing moments in the late in the piece in Game 3 that Cleary had, so that probably lost it for Cleary for me. Yeah, I, I thought Cleary had... A solid, as we talked about, a solid enough series, a really good game too. But Cherry Evans, I think, was a bit underrated. And one thing that I really noticed um, in game three was the amount of stuff that Cherry Evans was doing off the ball to stop Cleary from having the game that he wanted to have. You could see that they wanted to shift left. They wanted to give Walker early ball. But the way Cherry Evans was just rushing out of that line, it basically made it a very, very risky pass. And he kept turning it inside, kept running himself, Cleary. Um, I think I think well, it's another example of Queensland uh, out coaching New South Wales with their game plan. But uh, I thought Cherry's had a really solid series at, at worst and and quite good at times. Miles, would you agree? Yeah, I would. And I think if if by some miracle Nathan Cleary's dropped for for next series, I think uh, Cherry Evans could do worse than to kind of give him a call and you know sort of read him a bit of a bedtime story about how he was almost ten years ago dropped basically because he was uh, not stupid enough to be in the Queensland team and, and eight, eight years later or whatever it is now he's he's captaining his state and captaining him to incredible victories so uh, as I said I've hated on Cleary basically all series long now but it's it's not over for him it's certainly not over for him as, as DCE has shown the past few years and one thing um, I, I I want to talk about a bit later on uh, is the idea that Cherry Evans came into this system at 14 behind Kronk and Thurston. Kronk came into the same system at 14 behind Thurston and Lockyer. That is a succession plan that works. Now, obviously, New South Wales don't have the luxury of a Thurston, Kronk, or Lockyer, right? But that is a system that seems to work quite well. Maybe they're going to do the same thing with Harry Grant. Maybe Harry Grant sits at 14 next series and bides his time behind a guy like Jake Friend. Um, but that's a system that Queensland seemed to like, and it seems to have uh, started to bear fruit for, well, bear cherries, if you will, um, with uh, with Cherry Evans. Let's go to front rowers up to that fucking terrible pun. Um, <laughs> let's, go, <laughs> let's go with... So here's the eligible front rowers. These are the guys that started in the front row. Even if you had some front rowers on the bench, let's just focus on these front rowers for now. I, I will potentially listen to an exception if, if anyone wants to bring it forward from someone from the bench because they did play really well. But for the starting front rowers, you've got Christian Welch, who played in games one and three. No coincidence, Queensland winning uh, when he is there. Josh Papali'i was... Uh, you know, his usual, maybe not his usual self, but still very influential. Dynamis Louis, um, probably lucky to make his origin debut, and he can probably consider himself lucky to have gotten there. Daniel Saifiti, uh, Junior Paulo, who started in game one, and Payne Haas, who started in games two and three. Um, so should we just go ahead and pencil Daniel Saifiti in for one of those spots? 
Um, I, I assume you're going to say yes, Miles. So, Kieran, that's a yes from you as well? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm actually a bit torn about this. I'm pretty happy to rule out Dynamis Louis, Junior Paulo, and Payne Haas. I think it comes down to Josh Papali'i or Christian Welch. Now, Papali'i played in all three games uh, and was very influential. I, I almost felt like they kind of rested him a bit during Origin 2 once the game was done. I think Wayne Bennett saw the bigger picture and sort of saved him for Game 3 a little bit, um, leaving him off the field maybe longer than he would have. And as I said, Christian Walsh starts for two games and they win two games. And that's not a coincidence. That guy also won a premiership this year. Um, he's genuinely becoming one of the best props in the game. He's sort of flown under a few radars. But will he fly under yours, Kieran? Who do you think should be the other front rower? Uh, yeah, I, I would pick Welch. Um, we had a, a pretty star-studded forward pack that all performed really, really well. Um, except for... Well, I mean, not that Papali was bad, but... Um, you can't excuse or say that just because uh, the rest of our forward pack was doing really well, Joshua Papali didn't have to do as much because Welch was outstanding in the two games he played. So, yeah, I would go Welch. Uh, Miles, you said off air that maybe Welch would get your other front row spot. Uh, are you sticking by that? Yeah, I am. And I, I, I don't know if it's just because I like him a bit better as a player or not, but I, I think that maybe he just pips Josh Papali, but I I certainly wouldn't have too much of a gripe if we went with Papali instead. Well, that's two votes for Welch. Uh, I probably would have gone with Papali, but I'm I'm pretty happy to give it to Welch. I thought he was tremendous and very influential. So our front rowers are Daniel Saifiti and Christian Welch. Let's go to hookers. There's only two to choose from, uh, from the starting hookers at least. That's Damian Cook and Jake Friend. Now, Jake Friend, of course... Uh, Solid citizen, absolutely did his job uh, at all times. He he sort of interchanged with Ben Hunt and Harry Grant at different points throughout the series, but got in there, made his tackles. He even became uh, a running back rower at one point to help Harry Grant settle into the team. Um, you know, made his past selections. You know, it's no coincidence that he's there in that spine. He adds a little bit of experience. Damien Cook, the Australian hooker, current Australian hooker, maybe not for long. Uh, I, I thought he had a solid enough series, but I feel like Queensland blunted him a little bit. He's not quite as stoutly defensive as, say, Jake Friend is. So Queensland certainly would have had a tactic to make him make 50 tackles every game to sort of blunt his impact. And... I think it largely did. So I'm curious to see how this one will go because Jake Friend is fairly unheralded. Kieran, where do you land on this one? Jake Friend or Damien Cook? Uh, I've got Jake Friend who who definitely did uh, a fair bit better than I thought he would. He, he had a few good uh, marauding runs out of dummy half as well that really got us on the front foot. Um, and even if Cook wasn't at his best, I still... Um, at his absolute brilliant best because he can be brilliant in origin and that was what I was a bit scared about going into this series the combination of Tedesco and Cook that was so good last year um, but even if he's not close to his best he uh, and still playing well I still think Friend was better um, in the series so I'd definitely go Jake Friend yeah, the combination of Cook and Tedesco has previously won series for New South Wales. It would have been interesting to see if Tedesco stayed on the field for Game 3, whether that would have been the case again. Miles, you have espoused the values of, of having a guy like Jake Friend 
uh, for Queensland and, and for this series, but also potentially moving forward into next season. Um, so you're going to stand by your man, your friend, if you will? <laughs> I certainly am. And I, I thought perhaps an underrated storyline about this series was how poor Damien Cook was. He was bad in both the losses. He was, wasn't great in the win either. So I, I don't know. I don't think he's he'll be just as much of a walk-up starter as he, or, as he thinks he will be next season or... Or maybe I'm totally wrong and, and Brad Phillip will just pick him again because that's what he does. Well, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. But it is worth keeping in mind that McInnes was in the squad and they also have Api Corosau just coming off a career-best season at the Panthers. If the Panthers are firing again next season, you're right. He might be in some strife. Um, I imagine the Australian selectors will probably name him in their merit side for the, for the series. But... Above the horizontal, who simply know better than Mal Meninga, Laurie Daly, and Darren Lockyer, um, have chosen Jake Friend. Uh, let's go to the back rowers, the edge back rowers, uh, the 11s and 12s. Uh, Boyd Cordner, who uh, mysteriously got back on the field, uh, uh, passing a HIA, but then was ruled out for the rest of the series, um, which was unfortunate for New South Wales because he's a very fine player. Uh, they also had Angus Crichton, who who filled in for him for game two and three, and Tyson Frizzell was the right edge back rower for the entire series. Queensland had uh, Felice Kafusi, who played on a couple of different edges throughout the series. Cohen Hess uh, started the series in game one. Jaden Suar replaced him in game two, and then Kurt Capewell replaced him in game three. We've already named Kurt Capewell in the centres, so I'm going to go ahead and disqualify him. So that means that we have to pick from Cordner, Kafusi, Hess, Sua, Crichton, and Frizzell. Yikes. Now, yes. So that's it's going to be quite tough, I think. Uh, I'm pretty happy to rule out Cohen Hess. Um, <laughs> and I'm also pretty happy to rule out Boyd Cordner on the grounds that he just simply did not play enough games um, and wasn't influential enough in that game to warrant it. So that leaves us down to Kafusi, Sua, Crichton, and Frizzell. Um, I think Kafusi's a walk-up start here. Would you agree with that one, Kieran? Yeah, yeah. And and Miles, I assume you're the same. Yep. All right, that leaves us down to Sua, Crichton, and Frizzell. Now, Miles, uh, off air, I think you mentioned Sua, but you also gave Crichton three votes in Game Three, which Sua didn't have much influence on coming from the bench. Uh, usually in this situation, you know, you've got Jaden Sewer, Angus Crichton, and Tyson Frizzell. The obvious name there is Tyson Frizzell, but you clearly weren't happy with his series? No. In fact, if anything, he by far played the worst series of the three, so I'm going to write a red line through him, um, draw a red line, rather. And, uh, look, the way I judged this was... Because I think neither of them, neither Crichton nor Sewer deserves really deserves a, a series-based award uh, across all three games because they were they were only good in, in maybe one, one-and-a-half games each. Uh, I think that Crichton, as I've um, made clear, played the, the best game of the two, which was game three. But I think that Sewell was probably, probably better across the series than Crichton. So I'm going to, with no confidence whatsoever, give Jaden Sewer my other edge back row spot well I I had Angus Crichton myself and and again not with a lot of confidence but I think Angus Crichton had a fantastic year at NRL level and I think he 
did a pretty good job uh, for New South Wales, uh, albeit in a disappointing series for them. So that leaves you with a deciding vote, Kieran. Uh, I'm assuming you're not going to go for Tyson Frizzell or uh, particularly not Cohen Hess or Boyd Cordner. So who gets the second back row spot for you? Uh, I've gone Angus Crichton. I thought he was good enough in, in game two to, to, well, not to get a vote uh, out of the one, two, three, but I thought he was okay. And then, as Miles said, in uh, game three, he played brilliantly, so I'd lean towards him. All right, let's land with Crichton then on the on the basis of democracy. Uh, that, lives, that gives us the second roles of Felice Cafusi and Angus Crichton, which means we've got to pick up a lock forward. Uh, they both played three games. You've got Jake Travojevic, who had um, a very different... Two different styles, really. Travojevic is a, is a hard worker defensively um, and certainly a link player as well, um, sort of bringing forwards in and then playing out the back to a playmaker. Fasu Amaliawi is not that player at all. Uh, he is an impact man. He is a meter-gaining man. He is a post-contact meters man. He is an offloading man. He's a try-scoring man. And I think he had a hell of a series... Uh, Miles, what's your read on this? Well, my read on it is you described both players perfectly there and you described the way that their coaches used them in this series perfectly and I think one coach was clearly the victor in the way that they played the series and that's the that's Wayne Bennett and I, I think as a result, Vasily Mariawi was far better throughout the, the series than Jake Friend was. Uh, sorry, Jake Trebojevic. Hey, it was probably also slightly better than Jake Friend, but yeah, that's not that's that's not having a go. Um, <laughs> uh, Kieran, would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I think uh, Tino exceeded everyone's expectations, including his own potentially. Um, he had a, a huge series, and uh, yeah, I did not see that coming from him at all. I think he's cemented that 13 spot for a while. Absolutely, and isn't that isn't that scary when you look at that Titan? I just talked about it last week. That Titans forward pack they've got it is it is something. They haven't got a super lot of depth to be fair, so they need a lot of uh, luck for it to all to come off. But man, like having Fasu Maliawi and Fafita and Proctor and Photoacre in the same forward pack is and SASA he's a good player too. Jared Wallace on the bench, like it's, it's a good forward pack. Um, all right, let's get to the bench now. Uh, we agreed off air that the best way to do a bench um, is to have one utility, two middle players, and a back row that can cover an edge or a back or or a middle if need be. Um, so, in other words, we've gone for the anti Fitler method. Um, <laughs> let's let's start with let's start with our utility. Uh, so we've got Ben Hunt uh, who played. Uh, a really good role as a, sort of like a, a lock coming on in game one helps turn the game around a little bit I think he had a really good game but unfortunately in game two he was he had the 5 eighth roll thrust upon him and, and not just the 5 eighth roll but trying to replace Cameron Munster so I, I don't know how to grade Ben Hunt uh, this series uh, Cody Walker played 20 minutes in game one uh, had a bit of a spark but a few errors in his game as well but that was enough to get him into the team uh, for game two in 5-8. He had a fantastic game. He was given player of the match for New South Wales by our very own Miles Stedman. Uh, went missing a bit in game three, though, to be fair. Harry Grant only played the one game, but absolutely carved up um, as a backup dummy half. So I think 
this is going to be a very interesting one. Um, and I think we're actually, if we're going to narrow it down to two, you're probably narrowing it down to Harry Grant and Cody Walker, which might be a little bit harsh on Ben Hunt. Would you agree with that, Miles? Yes. And look, I'm going to, as much as I'd love to give it to Cody Walker, I'm going to penalize him for not playing as a utility in game two and give it to Harry Grant, who uh, I think when you consider the spirit of the award and the spirit of the position in the fact that they don't get as much playing time as everyone else. And so uh, time on the field necessarily shouldn't matter as much. Uh, I think Harry Grant was the perfect utility for Queensland in game three. So he gets my vote here. It's, I suppose, as I sort of spoke about earlier, where like you know a young Cherry Evans comes into the fold, you play him at 14. A young Cooper Cronk comes into the fold, you play him at 14. A young Harry Grant comes into the fold, you play him at 14. In our merit side, Ben Hunt and Cody Walker might be a little bit old. So Harry Grant might be the perfect player to, to throw in there and learn from the best. Would you say Harry Grant as well, Kieran? I would. Um, I thought he was dangerous every time he touched the ball in the first... Uh, I think the first 20 minutes of that second half, it kind of looked like he'd break the line every single time. And yeah, one of the greatest uh, origin debuts I've ever seen. All right, awesome. So let's let's go to our two middles. Now, if you'll allow me this, uh, this little bit of cherry picking here. So we're going to have uh, anybody that started from the bench as a middle but I'm also going to throw Josh Papali'i in there for consideration as well because he was probably good enough to be considered in this mold, but we'll see where the votes land. So we've got Lindsay Collins, who I'm pretty confident is going to get one of these votes. Uh, you've got Payne Haas, Junior Paulo. Um, you've got, let's call Dale Finucane and Nathan Brown middles. Uh, and Mo Fotoaker, as well as, of course, Papali. Um, are we all happy to sign off on Lindsay Collins? I know you will be Kieran. So Miles, are you happy with Collins? Certainly am. Yeah, cool. All right, we need one more middle. Now, are we going to go a bit retro and give it to Josh Papali, or we're going to give it to a guy like? I think we can rule out Fodawaka, who didn't have much impact. Um, uh, Cameron Murray had next to no impact, so he doesn't get counted. So maybe a guy like Nathan Brown, Dale Finucane, Payne Haas, Junior Paulo. They're all blues. So I might ask you, Miles, which of those do you think is best suited? Or would you just give it to Papali? Yeah, definitely just give it to Papali. I mean, he was, I don't think any of the others were very good. And I, I do think Papali was good throughout, even though it wasn't his brilliant best that we saw during the season. So yeah, pretty, pretty easy one, Papali for me. And would you agree with that, Kieran? Um, are we not... Jai Arrow is not in contention, or...? Oh, shit. I completely passed by Jai Arrow. Yes, Jai Arrow is in contention, if that changes your vote at all, Miles. Well, he won the game for Queensland in Game 3, so... No, I'm just kidding. It's still Papali. <laughs> okay, all right. So, still Papali. So, um, so, we've got Collins. So, what are you thinking there, Kieran? Are you thinking Papali, or do you want to give it to Arrow? Uh, in the spirit of the... Uh the uh, the way that we're selecting players, I, I would give it to Arrow, and I thought he was fantastic anyway. Mm, I'm gonna, so I, I guess I'm the deciding vote then. I'm gonna give it to Papali. I guess the one the one thing, and I, and I have defended Jai Arrow about the whole thing with James Tedesco uh, off air, 
Um, I don't think there was... I mean, there was certainly malice involved. You can't say there was no malice. He was trying to intimidate a player and stuff like that. He obviously didn't realize he was concussed. I think that was pretty clear. And he very quickly, you know, signaled to trainers and referees and tried to get that situation sorted. But it was a pretty shitty act. And it certainly doesn't look good at all, at the very least. Um, And I think it sort of taints his series a little bit. Um, so I'm going to give it to Papali on those grounds because uh, there was no black mark against his name, uh, at least for this series. So that gives us a bench so far of Harry Grant, Lindsay Collins, and Josh Papali'i, or Papali, depending how you want to say it. So that gives us a back rower we need to pick. Um, so we've got Jaden Sewer, who uh, narrowly missed out on our starting side. Um, we also have, I suppose, Jairo would count as a back row option. Um, Angus Crichton made our side. Uh, Isaiah Yeo is certainly an option here. So we've got uh, Jaden Sewer, Isaiah Yeo, and that's about it. Because Finucane and Brown probably count as middles. So who gets that spot? Jaden Sewer or Isaiah Yeo? I'll give this one to you, Kieran. Oh, I thought Yo was fantastic in Game 3, but uh, I think Jaden Sewer looked as at least very reliable, so I'd, I'd go Sewer. What's, and, you, and you would agree, Miles, that Yo had a good Game 3, uh, but largely at the centres, obviously, um, which probably speaks to some of his utility value and, and virtue of having him in this side. Um, do you think Sewer or Yo for this one? Yeah, I do think Sewer. I, I think Yo was good in his limited minutes, but I think that Sewer was probably better throughout the series. All right, and 18th man, Clint Gutherson. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the spirit of the award, I think Isaiah Yo probably gets 18th man and Jai Arrow gets 19th man. There we go. They only narrowly, narrowly missed out. And the coach, um, I think we're all happy to say Wayne Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> take our laughter as obvious votes <laughs> alright so that leaves us with the team of fullback James Tedesco on the wings Josh Adokar and Xavier Coates in the centres Dane Gagai and Kurt Capewell in the halves of course Cameron Munster and Cherry Evans uh, we didn't think of a captain by the way uh, Cherry Evans uh, showed exemplary leadership I thought throughout um, are we happy to sign off on him Kieran yes and Miles. Yep. All right, cool. So that's our captain, even with Tedesco there, of course, who I thought did a pretty good job. And Munster could be a future captain, but we'll wait and see on that one. Front rowers are Daniel Saifiti and Christian Welch. Hooker is Jake Friend. On the edges, we've got Felice Kafusi and Angus Crichton, with Tino Fatasua Maliawi at lock. On the bench, we have Harry Grant, Lindsay Collins, Josh Papali'i, and Jaden Sua, with... Isaiah Yu and Jai Arrow as reserves and Wayne Bennett as the coach. I think that's a damn good merit side just quietly. I'll be very curious to see what the Australian selectors come out with, but I promise you it will not be better than ours. Let's move forward to where to from here for your state. I'm going to start with you, Miles. I know that you've got a lot of pent-up frustration about about what happened there this series i mean like even before a kick a ball was kicked in anger you were you were thinking well like where's this player from the squad and where's this and how they're going to use this player and a lot of players that probably deserve to get a go didn't um and a lot of players that maybe deserve to be dropped after game one or two weren't 
you probably don't change a winning squad after game two, but game one, there were certainly some uh, glaring holes in the squad that you spoke about at length after that uh, game. So, if you are responsible for giving New South Wales their best chance at winning back the Shield, can I ask you, perhaps naively, what is your first order of business? Well, I'll keep it short and sweet, given that I, I think I've made clear my thoughts on the teams and probably each player in it multiple times but um and i could go on forever about the changes that need to be made but i think as i've foreshadowed the the most disappointing aspect of the series for me was just how soft the forward pack was for new south wales uh, especially given how brad fitler chose to steer away from the the tougher breed of player that um we've seen play state of origins past and in order to add a little bit of mobility and look you can say that you know that's his game plan and that's fine but i don't think it ever really worked as i said i, I think the forward pack was always losing the series for new south wales and even in that game two win it was it was the backs that, that really cut loose and won the game for them so i think his failure to adapt there really says a lot and queensland went with the exact opposite uh direction and, and won convincingly so I would like to see some size returned to the, especially the bench in particular, um, but also the starting lineup. Guys I've got in mind, uh, given, of course, they're all playing well next season. Uh, guys like, uh, guys who have played before as well, especially like Wade Graham, David Clemmer, Paul Vaughan, and then younger guys who ha- who haven't played but have a lot of mongrel to them, like Adam Fanua Blake, and, and even guys like Cameron McInnes, who I think, despite his smaller stature, I think he's he's well known as, as a guy who is probably built for state of origin would, would deliver a bit more of a punch than the, the the pussies that the Blues ran out this year. So <laughs> there are some some names to kind of marinate on. A, a few others maybe um, Ryan Madison, even Victor Radley, uh, obviously is a fantastic player and a, a, a very strong defender. Luciano Lelua, I've loved this year and I thought he's been a, a really good signing for the Tigers. So. The, the the one thing about all those guys, with the exception of probably McInnes and Radley, who play a lot bigger than their size, is that they're all big men. And you look at the players that succeeded for Queensland in this, this series, and what do they all have in common? Most of them are, are quite large humans. So this one's an obvious one for me. Just return some size to the pack, New South Wales, because you got absolutely destroyed this season. So there's a few guys in your pack that are large humans. Of course, Saifiti is, and he got your player of the series. So I imagine, uh-huh. sorry, um, no, Josh Adokar did. My apologies. Uh, Saifiti would be safe, I imagine. Um, but like, what about guys like Payne Haas, uh, Junior Paulo, some big humans there, but um, not quite cutting the mustard at this stage for you? Yeah, look, Haas was okay. I, I think he'll be there again, and he probably should. Like, He was probably good enough to earn himself another series and i think he will grow into it so i would certainly hang on to him paul i was crap i I wouldn't have selected him in the first place so i don't think he's classy enough at all to play state of origin and he proved that to me so i would lose those two murray hanging on by a thread he's obviously a very talented player but he's i think he's got the notable weakness of being quite small and that was showing up this series for nukin as i said was was he's a larger human for for his position he was good in the limited action that he got Crichton as well as a big back rower and he played himself into the series even if it wasn't probably as good as he could have been so I think the the vague uh, trend you're seeing here is that the smaller players in the series really played small and I, I think that the 
bigger player, even though the league is going smaller in the forward packs and, and a bit more mobile, I still think State of Origin, you need that edge and you need that size. I agree with you that Radley absolutely has to come in. I I, I contend that Murray is probably unlucky. He only played five minutes uh, before being injured. But um, from players that got votes from you, uh, particularly so okay let's just let's just go through uh people that you gave votes to throughout the series cody walker are you keeping cody walker at 5 8 or are you trying somebody else i'm i'm waiting till next year to make that call i think walker's been like cleary ordinary in his origin career with the exception of one game but i'm making i'm waiting until next year to make that call Okay, so with, with backline positions and things like that, you're happy enough to wait. How about the, the, the contentious issue among fans as well that uh, they essentially played a 5-8 and a fullback, two very successful ones at club level, at centre uh, this year, and it didn't appear to work too well for them to the point that we've picked Gagai and Capewell. Capewell's not a centre either, but he was better than both of theirs. Um, what do you make of that? Are you, would you be happier if New South Wales continued the idea of just picking the best 17 players and just putting them where you can or would you rather see a bit more uh structure in the selection room where they're actually picking centers and wingers etc well look with all due respect to jack white who's a fantastic football player he's not up to scratches and origin center i don't think um he, he was and as i've said he's, he was really uh done dirty by freddie asking being asked to play there after which is the Del M at five eight. So, look, not everyone is Tom Trebojevic who can sort of play anywhere in the back line and and work it out and, and even succeed. So, absolutely, I'm not going down that path again. I think Latrell Mitchell is probably going to play at fullback next season, so he'll also rule himself out. But Nick Kotrick, I think, probably a big chance to play in the centres for the Bulldogs. I would certainly um, take a, a long look at him. Uh, I, it's hard to think off the top of your head, but even guys had, like go on they had Stephen Crichton and, and Zach Lomax in the squad that went unused so obviously form permitting you'd be looking at guys like that as well of course it, bizarre that they weren't considered for game three given that um, Whiten and Gutherson rolled out two poor games in a row and, and were not uh, taken to task at all by it so I, I would certainly I'd certainly only look to pick a centre at centre next next series so um yeah, I, I just I don't get this kind of. Uh, it's almost a devaluing devaluing of the position to whoever's left over in the back line gets to play there, and it was that was found out as a, a really bad tactic this year. It's a, it's it, it's not not the case at all. It's an important position, and players need to know how to play it. They can't just roll out a the the, the two best players who didn't make the squad and, and throw them in the centres. I think it's like one thing that I learned from this series particularly was that there, I mean, like I've always kind of liked a specialist center, like watching a guy like Mark Gasney go about his work, Justin Hodges. Uh, there's just a, a silkiness to it, a footwork, a speed, a toughness in defense, an offload, uh, like vision, you know, like it, it's a specialist position. And, uh, but I think sometimes we sort of undervalue it sometimes. And we had that debate earlier in the year about the wing being the most useless position on the field. And if it wasn't, it was the center. Uh, I don't know, like Jack Whiten and, and Gutherson maybe showed us that the center is a very important position. Uh, so, yeah, moving forward, I, I guess I guess there's some food for thought there. Uh, and as, as you've said earlier in the podcast, suffice to say, you'd be changing the coach 
but do you do you have a coach in mind? Well, yeah, absolutely, Trent Robinson. Right. So, what is what does Trent <laughs> Robinson bring? What does Trent Robinson bring that that Brad Fittler doesn't? Obviously, Trent played maybe like a handful of first grade games uh, in his career. Uh, Fittler's a, a a legend of the sport. So, so what is it about Robinson that you like? Well, as you said, one's the maybe in the conversation already for greatest coach of all time. The other is the other was fired after I think two seasons of the Roosters. So there's. Uh, a, a Pacific Ocean golf and class and coaching ability between the two, and it really got nothing to do with how many games they've played. And you'd be happy, of course, for him to juggle his commitments with the Roosters and the Blues, or, or uh, is that going to be potentially a hindrance? Like, because it probably won't happen, will it? It probably won't. And this is, of course, where you know you ask me the question, you're not asking the SWRL. Mm. Um, but I would be happy for him to do it. I think he's certainly smart, smart enough and capable enough to do it. And if anything, uh, we're probably well. If anything, it'll give the Roosters less of a chance to win the premiership. So, you know, <laughs> who doesn't want that? <laughs> Everyone wins. Um, it's actually a bit of a throwback um, because in the old days, it used to be like you would pick the best coach from your state, the best available coach from your state based on how they did in club land. And then the Australian coach would be picked from those options uh, from state level and, and, you know, generally be the New South Wales coach because interstate games before 1980 were a joke. Um, and, and that's the way it went. And you'd have a couple of token Queenslanders in there, like Kello Shea. Uh, but yeah, uh, it very... Um, very interesting. I, I, I do. I'm very curious to see how Trent Robinson would go. We saw one of the greatest coaches of the modern era, Craig Bellamy, have a crack for New South Wales. Didn't quite get the job done, but he was up against a freakishly good Queensland side during that era. So, uh, very interesting to see how they go. I do agree largely with your points, but I'm curious about what's going to what the road for for Queensland is as well, Kieran. Because I mean, like the conversations already started that. Perhaps Queensland deserve to start next series as favourites because while there is a big gap in terms of club form talent, and I'm going to specify that now because I've learned my lesson, there's a big difference between club form talent and form and actual, you know, origin ability. And there's guys like that have made our our merit side, like Jaden Sewer, who probably wouldn't be in the top five or six back rowers in the comp if we're being really brutally honest but he makes this Kurt Capewell is the centre in our merit squad Xavier Coates on the wing because they just they they managed it right they handled it they handled themselves at the level you add in guys like David Fafita Brimson Ponga uh, who else are they going to add in maybe Michael Morgan like that becomes an option as well um Guys like Corey Oates become an option. Valentine Holmes gets another off-season into him. Uh, Queensland stand to be a little bit stronger this time next year, or, of course, when the Origin Series rolls around. So, Kieran, where to from here for Queensland? Uh, I guess the the biggest uh, uh, position that's in contention is the the fullback. And actually, well, the coaching, we don't know if Bennett's going to go around again, but... If we can uh, get him again, we obviously will be doing everything we can. Um, but yeah, fallback between Ponga and Brimson, I just... On potential, um, which is what the Blues have done, you have to go Ponga, I think. 
um, but that hasn't that hasn't worked for the the Blues, and I, I, as you said, that doesn't really work in Origin. Um, purely on on Brimson's game one, I think I would actually have to lean towards Brimson, even if he doesn't quite have that playmaking ability that Ponga has. I just think Brimson didn't make a mistake all game, and you could, you could see that he was kind of working his way into the game, which is exactly what Bennett wanted him to do. He stuck exactly to the game plan, and, and Ponga is a little a little guilty of overplaying his hand. I think he, he is obviously a very confident player, so he knows he's capable of freakish things, but I would probably rather Brimson at fullback um, and then Ponga. I don't know if that makes sense to bring him off the bench, though, so we'll, we'll see what happens with form and uh, injuries and everything. Um, otherwise, I, I think, um, as you said, Fafida has to come into the team. Um, and then who else? Uh, Michael Morgan, if he's in form, um, definitely at least in contention. I, I would like to see uh, Kyle Felt. He didn't have the greatest season despite scoring uh, nearly being top of the uh, try-scoring tally if it weren't for um, Alex Johnston late in the season. And, um, yeah, if, if he can uh, hit some, some better form without all the errors, I think he could easily come into the side on the wing for Xavier Coates, who, who is a very good player. Um could could uh, potentially play for a long time in in Origin, but uh, I just think that game two and the way he played for the Broncos throughout the season. I know the Broncos didn't have the greatest season, but I couldn't pencil in Coates just yet. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, I would like to see us stick with that side pretty much um, as it was. I don't know, Kurt Capewell and or Jaden Sewer on the bench is obviously a another talking point, I think. Um, and then you've got Ben Hunt who could come back in. Um, on the bench, his as you said, Bo, his uh, origins career is certainly not over. So um, that's another interesting talking point. And then actually, yeah, I would have Harry Grant at no, at nine. I just I think he's too good to leave out. Um, and then you have to have Brimson somewhere in the side. I think so. I think he at least takes a bench spot, which does leave Jake Friends quite unlucky. But I, I think he has to miss out then. What well, what this has done? Yeah, this this particular series where. Queensland have just thrown a whole bunch of players at the wall to see who sticks, and a lot of them did, uh, is that both teams now, realistically, can pick on form. There, there are going to be some battles in clubland that will dictate who will be picked. And you can't really say that about Queensland for like the last 15 years almost in a lot of positions. I mean, and there are still a lot of positions that are locked in cement, like... You know, Cherry Evans, Munster, like they're definitely going to play. Gagai will be in the back line somewhere, probably in the centres nowadays. You've got, you know, your front rowers are Welch and uh, Papali. Your back rowers are going to be Kafusi and Fafida and Fasua Maliawi. Like there's, a, there's a bunch of positions that are already locked in stone. But, you know, I mean, Jake Friends, as, as Miles has pointed out in various group chats with us and in this podcast, has done nothing wrong. But Harry Grant is just that good and it comes down to next season doesn't it Ponga versus Brimson I mean if, if the Titans catch fire and Brimson's right at the center of it oh, like that's a that's a really tough choice because then if you pick Brimson at fullback where are you playing Ponga on the bench what if Harry Grant's there who's the better prospect who's going to offer more to your team on the day to win the match Ponga might miss out because can you play him on the wing or in the centers I'm not so sure is Brimson more versatile? Does he play in the centres or the wing? Is he big enough body? I, I'm I'm not I'm not entirely sure. It, it's a lot of questions, and uh, it's it's so interesting to me that yeah, you're right. Like the bench suddenly looks like, you know, let's just say Harry Grant plays on the bench because Jake Friend's number nine. Let's just say that 
you could potentially have guys like Ponga or Brimson, Michael Morgan, and Ben Hunt, who have all done the job for their state before, all missing out. On the bench, you could also have guys like uh, Fotoaker missing out. You could have guys like Sua or Capel missing out, which is a fascinating thing considering how bo- well they both played. It's, it's a marvellous position to be in for Queensland, and it's very, very different. So I ask you, do you think they're the favourites going into next series? Yes. Um, I just, especially if Fittler is still at the helm, um, I uh, I have actually, well, I haven't, I don't know that I've defended him, but I haven't thought that he was that bad until now. But I would actually liken Fittler, as I think Chris Waring has done it, um, liken him to Walters. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. so glad, all respect to, to Walters, that he's gone as our coach. But I, I don't think he was the answer. Um, the series he, he won was with a, a star-studded squad. Um, and I think he's a... Kevin Walters was a, a little bit like Fittler in that he, he just picked players purely that he thought, oh, wow, look at that guy go. Look how fast he is. Um, just sort of <laughs> looked pleasing on the eye and he thought, oh, wow, that guy's got to play. I, I don't need to see anything else. I don't need to analyze any further. He's, he's straight in. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I do think Queensland are favourites, um, but we do have a lot of question marks, as you said, over positions, and I hope we don't uh, get the wrong formula, the wrong players um, playing, which is uh, a possibility, although they're all all in uh, good form at the moment, so we'll see. Obviously, as you said, Wayne Bennett would be the coach, uh, that would be the preference, uh, but given that it's likely to be a mid-year series, like the old days, um, and given that Wayne Bennett will almost certainly be coaching the Rabbitohs at that point in time, there's a fair chance that the QRL may go away from Bennett to have a sole coach responsible for Queensland. Uh, if they go away from Bennett, who do you, is there anyone that you can think of that might fit the bill for Queensland? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Like, would Paul Green fit the bill, do you think? He's, he's available as it stands? Um, poor... I do like his hard hard stance for Origin, although the only thing is Bennett seemed to, to really lighten the mood this series, so that's a bit of the opposite kind of thing, and it worked brilliantly. So I don't know if uh, how Bro- Paul Green would go, considering he's come out and said that he uh, admits that he was a bit too hard on the Cowboys players at times, and that kind of led to our downfall, and we had a, a what I believe was still a quite a handy squad. So I'm not sure about Paul Green, but I also don't know who else is there. Yeah, we've sort of like a bit of a dearth of options there. So it'll like I'm sure they'll be hoping that Wayne Bennett chooses to continue, um, and like because otherwise you get Paul Green, then suddenly you know forget Jake Friend, forget Harry Grant, forget Ben Hunt, Jake Granville. That's it, man. <laughs> he's, he's in. Um, Miles, would you would you contend that New South Wales are the favourites heading into the 2021 series? Well, you know, at this stage at least, do you think New South Wales deserve favouritism, which they might get with the bookies, or do you think Queensland have earned it? Well, at this stage, absolutely they're not the favourites because it's still Bennett versus Pitler. But as you guys say, if that coaching battle changes, I think the series or the favouritism is absolutely likely to change because. I think that was the single greatest determining factor of this series was the coaching. So, you know, if you you do have a matchup like, say, I don't know, I I wish this was the case, but um, uh, Trent Robinson versus Kevin Walters, I I think the Blues are (laughs) once again walk-up favourites. But uh, uh, one thing I would say is that does it have to be a 
New South Welshman coaching New South Wales and a Queenslander coaching Queensland? Well, I mean, I, technically, I suppose it doesn't, but I can't even picture a world where, like, Queensland would let that happen. Like, I remember when the Australian cricket team was coached by a South African, Mickey Arthurs, people were very hesitant, very resistant to the idea. Um, and when he made them do homework and all that sort of nonsense, you know, like, it was it was very odd because we sort of think, well, we've got like, enough good coaches um, in our system to be able to do this. But Queensland, as... as Kira and I sort of just pointed out, we, we really don't have that many options. Paul Green's a very fine coach, though, so... Well, as you said, we didn't think Queensland had enough good players to win the series, but, uh, hell, apparently they did, so who knows? Maybe you just make the appointment and, and worry about whether or not they're good enough that they, they win a series or not. Well, I suppose the other thing to consider is the fact that Neil Henry is an experienced first-grade coach, actually quite a good first-grade coach. He he put the systems in place that got the Cowboys their premiership. He uh, was doing good things with the Titans until Jared Hayne got him sacked, essentially. Uh, he's also an assistant coach at, at the Maroons and uh, apparently handles a lot of the technical stuff. Uh, a lot of the strategic coaching, while guys like Mal Meninga bring aura and Wayne Bennett also brings aura and strategy, but, you know, more of a man manager, whereas Henry apparently came up with a lot of the game plans. So maybe that's an option there. You have a guy like Neil Henry pulling the strings and then you have some legends come in to, to offer their expertise. That, that might be a way forward too, but uh, be very interesting to see. I personally think that the Maroons should and do uh, deserve to, to start as favourites and and uh, and it, but uh, the the underdog tag just sort of sits nicer with us I think so uh, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes guys thank you very much for that uh, extended episode with lots and lots of thoughts and teams thrown around I'm I'm very happy with our merit team that we landed on what I do want to know is what was Owen's favourite try when you guys watched Game Three together. Uh, every single one he he never picks a favorite he just he'll tell you all of them <laughs> <laughs> he's a good man that's what we need in this world some just enthusiastic <laughs> rugby league fans which i hope that our enthusiastic listeners will be looking forward to next week's episode uh hopefully it's next week when we do, we, we do a, a retrospective about this 2020 season this very odd and bizarre 2020 season that the storm ended up winning so uh, until then thank you very much Kieran and Miles and can we finally say go the Maroons Miles <laughs> no I can't bring myself to go but I'm not saying go the Blues either <laughs> <laughs> well I'll get, I'll get a nice little go Maroons out of Kieran at least go Victoria <laughs> go the Maroons go, go Victoria go the Storm <laughs> <laughs> Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Your regular panellists are Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.